Well, we are all human living in a human condition. And I aspire to continue to open my heart and to allow all of these programs that live in our subconscious to come up to the surface so I can look at them and decide if they're mine or if they're not. I am in the process. I have nine songs mixed and mastered that I'm finally ready to start putting my music back out into the world and step onto bigger and bigger stages and to get my business to the point where I don't have to be as full time in helping others that I set it up in such a way that I can now step into my true purpose, which is to get my voice, my music out into the world as me. We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who made changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Welcome back to Live the With of Your Life podcast. My guest this week is Joy Grayson. And for more than 30 years, singer, songwriter, and vocal performance coach and spiritual teacher, Joy Grayson, has been helping artists find and free their true voice. Through a combination of mindset, artistic and technical training, and personal exploration, she unlocks the magic inside each person, taking their technique to new heights and their ability to touch their audiences to a deeply personal level. I loved my conversation with Joy. She is, first of all, just a bright light in this world. We talked about so many things during our episode. We talked about the difference between external beauty standards and internal harmony. We talked about how she basically came out of the womb singing and how her parents were able to nurture that gift of hers. We talked about the transformative power of love and how it helps guide us through our fears and uncertainties, and also the importance of embracing self-love that aligns with our true purpose. We talked a little bit about fear and how that's really rooted in the absence of love and how it can be conquered by embracing this internal love. There were so many great nuggets of information during this conversation, really around fear and overcoming fear. And it all just comes down to being able to embrace our gifts, embrace the talents that we have been giving, and to really connect to our true purpose. I really love this conversation, and I think you will as well. Take a listen. Thank you, Joy, for joining me today. I am so excited to have you on the show. I am so incredibly happy to be here. I just adore you, and I'm so excited to share this time with you. I feel so privileged because you and I are in the same mastermind, and I have found the most amazing women in relationships, people who are doing such great things in this world. And I'm so excited that you said yes to come on the show because I want people to know that don't know you who you are and to get to see this radiant light that you are that I get to see all the time. So for those that may not be as familiar with you, Joy, tell us a little bit about your life's journey and some of the things that you are most passionate about. Okay. Well, I will start at the beginning. I was born 
given the name Joy Stimmel, which I later found out in my life, the last name Stimmel, if you take away the L, Stimme is the word in German for voice. So I was given this name Joy and voice at birth and obviously didn't know at the time. That was almost like being anointed with a purpose. And I came out of the womb singing. I sang before I could speak. And I really feel like that was my first true language. So having the ability to take what I felt in my heart and just put it out on a musical magic carpet just fused something within me into the quantum field and allowed me to communicate in a way that went far beyond what most babies were able to do at that age. And it really set me on my path for my life to connect on a very intrinsic, intimate, spiritual level to others. Wow, that is so beautiful. And I think I may have heard you mention that before, but what did your parents think of this when you came out and you were singing? Because I've never heard of anyone else doing that before. They fostered it. My father, especially, he wasn't a professional musician, but he played the guitar and he played the piano by ear. My mother played a little piano and my father taught me how to harmonize. And sing in three-part harmony and play three instruments by ear before I was three years old. And like, they just, they just fed into it. I think it's the greatest gift you can give a child because you're giving them super highway to connection that goes beyond language, its own language. And I think they just thought it was pretty extraordinary. And they treated me like a being instead of like a baby, if that makes sense. Where did that come from for them? Do you think that they just recognized that you were special and that this was a gift? And so they knew that they wanted to be able to, instead of saying, hey, Joy, you need to be a well-rounded in school and maybe the singing thing is great. But where do you think that they knew to really harness what you were doing and just continue to support that? I think they just engaged with it. I think they just felt it and they engaged with it. And both parents were artists in their own rights. And my mother was more of a visual artist and a painter at the time. She's now a really renowned interior designer. But I think you can't help but get swept up by the joy of creating and the connection. What that feels like is love. It's like falling in love. And so I think I'm just assuming they just got swept up in it and just kept feeding into it with love and with play and with interaction And what came into my mind where I hesitated just now was that it set me up for this dichotomy in my life where I felt when I was in that creative mode, there was connection, but there was also disconnection when that wasn't happening. And it was very startling and it was very heartbreaking to me. And I remember just being very sensitive to wait a minute, don't you see me? Like, where'd you go? I'm still here. I'm still me. But now you're just talking to me like I'm just a thing, a baby. And I noticed very early on, like this disconnect with people when you, when I wasn't doing something extraordinary or unexpected that children are to be seen and not heard. And it created an interesting problem. It created a longing and an angst 
right at the beginning of my life, which is obviously the basis of any great story is what's the obstacle? What do you have to overcome? And I think being connected musically and creatively so young connected me to a hypersensitivity. And it's hard to say which came first. Like, was I hypersensitive to begin with, which was why I was able to tap in? Or was the music the vehicle that provided me with the tap in, with the connection to that field? Because I was extremely empathic. They had me tested and they were told that I had a photographic memory. And I can remember being on my parents' red living room carpet playing concentration like a baby, like literally less than two years old, because I remember the carpet and that was where we lived before I was a certain age, playing concentration where all the cards are face down and you have to find pairs. And I would beat every adult every time. I could see the cards even though they were face down, I could see them as if they had been turned over. I had a photographic impression in my mind of where they were. So like no one could beat me. But what wound up happening was when I was not being seen or communicated with in a way that honored that connection, it was really painful. And I really didn't like it. And I kind of railed against it. And that hypersensitivity spiritually wound up, I think, inverting itself onto my body. And I remember like, for example, being very, very upset with my relationship with my mother, where it would be very connected and then very not connected. And I remember, for example, being on my father's boat and he loved to fish and vividly remember being on his boat, had the life preserver, and I felt kind of strangled to begin with with the life preserver, and saw those fish suffocating in the pail, and developed asthma, really bad asthma and allergies shortly thereafter. And so the hypersensitivity of emotional connection inverted itself into then a hypersensitivity physically and became overly sensitive to allergens and to things in my environment. I feel like because I was in pain for what was going on or what I observed, it was really interesting when I look back over my life now knowing what I know, and this is all theory on my part, but it set me on a path in my life to forge connection, to figure out what does it take to overcome that break in connection, heart to heart, soul to soul with other people and with animals. And so I've spent my life downloading from the universe, how do we get back in connection, whether we're singing or not, whether we're creating art or not, or maybe everything is art. And maybe art is the quality of communication and the willingness to see beyond the physical. And so just systematically over all of these years have developed a methodology that I much of it discovered in the woods with nature that taught me quantum physics, that taught me sacred geometry, that taught me some of the burning questions that all of us ask ourselves and that we seek knowledge in libraries and books and and teachings, but I found it in the woods. And so I help artists connect to that part of themselves that goes beyond the physical and bring it through their bodies physically into the world as a song or as a performance or as a painting or as a screenplay or as a book so that we can 
bridge the gap between the metaphysical and the emotional and the feelings and the love that we have inside that we so desperately want to share and connect with other people and how to translate and transmute that into artifacts that can be exchanged with other people. And when they open that gift, they feel in their heart and their soul who we are and what we have wanted to share. So, Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I created the School of Joy to help people get back into that flow and into that sense of self that they could celebrate themselves enough to then trust themselves to birth those things into the world and then share those things with others with love and pride instead of fear and self-criticism and self-consciousness. When you were young, did you see your gifts as a gift? Is it something that you fully appreciated or especially your empathic abilities and this sort of ability to be so connected and hypersensitive? Did you see those as gifts or did you ever go through a phase where you're like, why can't I just be like everybody else? Mm -hmm. I think I always did honor them as gifts, but I fought for them. I was not one to back down or keep my head down in the line of fire. If I believed in something, if I felt an injustice was happening, if I felt I was being treated unjustly, I would stand up for myself and I would get beaten down for it emotionally, usually not physically, but physically I was disembodied because I had such severe asthma and allergies and couldn't run around like most kids and couldn't eat most foods. And so developed a very difficult battling relationship with my physical body where it it just didn't function in a lot of circumstances in a way that was in harmony with how alive I felt inside. So in that way, I wish that I could have been normal. I wish I could have been more athletic. I wish that I could breathe easier. I wish that I didn't have to go through what I went through. I wish that I had been able to build up a stamina physically so I could enjoy using my body more. And so there was a battle, a lot of like shame around body image as many females have growing up being expected to be a certain Barbie basically ruined my life. There was a lot of difficulty with the physical manifestation of how that in turned inward onto my body. But spiritually, I always felt like mighty and beautiful and powerful. And like, this was my destiny to be this person. Do you remember how old you were the first time you started thinking about your body or placing judgments about the body? Yeah. I would say five or six years old. Wow. That is really young. I came from a family that was very conscious of how things are supposed to be. I really don't want to demonize anyone, so I don't really want to get specific, but sure. someone very close to me who had a very high standard of who I should be and what kind of control I should have over myself. And they didn't want me to be like other members of my family and be overweight or be slovenly or be messy. And so yeah. there was a lot of emotional pressure to be a certain way, especially as a mm. female that I put on myself as a result and it created just really bad eating disorders throughout most of my adult life until I went vegan, actually, which was now 11 and a half years ago. And taking it out on myself because I mm -hmm. think somewhere deep down inside, 
knowing that I was causing as little harm and that, that I was living my truth more than anything, yeah. as much of a carnivore as I was, and I would have rather eaten meat, chicken, whatever, over candy and ice cream, like that was my palate. But when I finally aligned with my values and my love for other sentient beings, like a lot of the physical abuse of depriving myself or not to trigger anyone, but like being bulimic, forcing myself to get rid of what I'd eaten because I didn't feel that I was whatever, like without even yeah. getting into that too much. But like there was a lot of baggage attached to, then this came through yesterday in a breathwork session that we had yesterday morning of mm -hmm. the word pretty. Mm. The word pretty just being like this holy grail and confusing pretty with harmony. Confusing like, harmonizing and getting into a state of coherence with life is different than being pretty. Right. Right. And so even like our voices have to sound pretty. They don't have to sound pretty to be harmonically sound, mm. to be in a vibration that is coherent with other vibrations. That came through really loud and clear yesterday and it blew my mind because the concept of pretty is so haunting as a, I think as a female is all I can really speak to. I identify as a female, the weight and the pressure of feeling like I have to be pretty first and foremost, in order to even be seen in order to, validate my spiritual existence has been such a specter haunting me. I hate to even admit it, but I love admitting it at the same time because it's so yeah. freeing to recognize pretty is the harmony. Like beauty is the harmony within. It's the desire to harmonize, to be coherent and in flow with as much as possible. Pretty mm -hmm. is just some Madison Avenue ideal of, I, I don't know, like you see pretty in nature, you see symmetry in nature, you see balanced design in nature. So our eye naturally goes to things that are balanced and geometric, but flow is even more beautiful mm -hmm. and allowing ourselves to be and to flow and to just connect to that is the ultimate beauty and harmony and just kind of separating those two yesterday was so profound and I still haven't exactly processed it but I know there's going to be a song coming around that I'm going to write. <laughs> Isn't it so funny inspiration comes from all different places when we are open to it like I always say when we're an open vessel and we're not have all that guck sometimes that blocks it from coming through. So tell me about the journey from growing up and singing and recognizing you. So there's this dichotomy of joy when you were in your gifts and your talents and being perceived one way or treated one way versus when you weren't. You obviously continued your love of music. And that is something that is such a huge part of you. So what did that journey look like from a young child who was singing as she was coming out of the womb to making this like your lifelong career and passion? Wow. Well, there were a lot of journeys in between, but ultimately came out to California from New York to pursue being in the music business and 
wound up having a reality adjustment when I hit LA and dealing with that whole how do you even say it's just such a mosaic of good and bad and of getting sucked into the wrong places and wound up getting sucked in by a church of Scientology. Got it. Wow. Um, because when did that happen? Sorry to interrupt you, but when did that happen? And after you moved to LA, I was introduced, ironically, my dad, who was my best friend, who I lost right before his 45th birthday, had a massive heart attack. And that kind of was the shift for me because he was my best friend. He taught me everything I know about my heart, my music. And when he suddenly passed, I was 21 years old. And I thought there's no way to continue from here. But something came through and there was that moment where I realized I'm going to wither right here or I'm going to rise like the phoenix out of the ashes right now. And I had this moment where I thought I had more with this man in one hour than some people have in a lifetime. And he was so woven into my spirit and into my soul and into my voice and into my heart that everything from that point was going to be a reflection of him and me together, what we created, and that his voice was going to ring out through my voice from that point forward. And that gave me the impetus to live the life I'm living now. So I came back from one year of college and I was like, why can we get a man to the moon, but we can't communicate with each other? And he was like, you know, I did come across this book, Dianetics from blah, blah, blah. And I wound up before I moved to LA, going and checking out a really inexpensive class. And it was geared towards artists. Like, you're not your body, you're a soul. And we did this class and all of a sudden the colors seemed brighter and it just seemed to feed into what made sense to me. So when I moved to LA after he passed, I became involved in the artist culture in that group because it felt like this is not about being famous being a physical body. This is about being a spiritual person who wants to share everything through the music. And then I got connected with Celebrity Center where I put on a lot of events and I became part of a community. And it felt like everyone was doing this for the right reasons. It felt like ethical because we were all caring about the earth and caring about music and uplifting people. But it was very cleverly disguised as that. And I kind of somehow, even though I was involved and we had a lot of friends and relationships over the years with that group, because it seemed like the ethical artistic community, I was somehow able to stay on the periphery where most people aren't. And part of it was because of the art. And my ex-husband was a kind of well-known actor at the time. So they treated us a little differently and we had more ability to kind of keep our distance. So anyway, we got out of that. And so to supplement my lifestyle, created a vocal studio right around the time she was born, a little before she was born and started teaching this magic that I knew how to do. I knew how to move people to tears. And everything I did, by the way, everything I learned was self-taught. I'd sit on the floor when I was a kid for hours on my knees with these huge speakers and sing and sing and sing 
and taught myself how to imitate all my favorite singers, all the masters. Like I'd close my eyes and I'd feel where inside their body they were hitting and where the air was coming from and how they were using the air. And I taught myself intuitively how to do everything that the greatest singers can do. I have a four octave range. I can literally sing anything. But I wound up needing to make money and raising my daughter and my dream got buried. And also because of Scientology, I kind of felt brainwashed that I wasn't supposed to make it about me. It was supposed to be about the greater good. It was supposed to be about helping spread the word. Uh, this is mankind's only salvation. This is mankind's only yeah. hope. And so it kind of became like, it's not supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about a cause. So I poured all of my knowledge, all of my intuition, all of my heart into helping other artists become who they're here to be. I love um, that your mission, as I was reading, you said that you're here to free their true voice. Tell me a little bit about that. We all have an essence, a spiritual fingerprint, and it's multifaceted. And I think if we can get into that essence and quiet ourselves enough, we will discover what that passion is and what that thing is that we're here to share with the world. That's how I define the voice is that call, that thing that you need to get from your internal universe out into the world. And as a singer, the most obvious method of that is to free your actual physical voice, which frightens everyone. It's probably the most vulnerable thing that we can do because it passes through your lungs, passes across your heart, comes from your solar plexus, comes from the air and the muscles in your core. But it also comes from when you're a writer or when you're a painter. It's like that essence that you can't touch that is being manifest into the physical world. But as a singer, I really concentrated on this is how we lift our physical voice and how we imbue it with the truth of ourselves. Instead of listening to how it sounds and comparing ourselves to other people and judging ourselves and being paralyzed by perfection paralysis and imposter syndrome, how about if I teach people how to fall in love with who they are and what they're here to do, and then send that intention out through their voice. So instead of watching themselves and limiting themselves, they're yeah. actually making a conscious decision to connect the truth wow. of themselves. That's what Free Your Voice is all about. Is that what you teach in your academy? Yeah. I teach people how to connect to who they're really meant to be. Who did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? We aren't asked, what do you want to do? We're asked, who do you want to be? So I really concentrate on the being before the doing and before the having. You have to have the being. So how do you step into that truth energetically to be who you're here to be? So we start out by discovering what that avatar is. Who are we here to be? Let's create a fantasized version of ourselves, like Beyonce created Sasha Fierce. How do we imagine who that person is and then step into that role and start building that character from the truth of yourself, from the love in your heart and your soul. And then when you get start to get rehabilitated and you start to feel like, yeah, I am that person. I already am that person. Then what does that person want to do? What do they want to say? 
How do they want to use their voice? What songs do they want to sing? What do they want to write about? And then slowly teach them how to trust their intuition, how to use their voices, how to use their artistic impulses to start creating artifacts that are uniquely their own and so valuable and how to not be afraid to put that out into the world. And that's the biggest thing that I teach people at the School of Joy is how to deconstruct fear because one of the most foundational things I found in the woods was this continuum between love and fear because I observed everything is in surrender to the sun. Every plant, every leaf, every branch is open to the sun. And so I was watching, just observing, and I was thinking like the sun just gives its light and everything on the planet is alive because of that gift. And the sun doesn't shapeshift and pull in its rays if it feels threatened or something outside of it doesn't, like if Jupiter behaves a certain way, the sun doesn't pull its rays in. So I was like, that's what my artists and my clients are trying to do. They're trying to shine like that, but most of them are doing this. So I was like, well, if the sun is doing this and this is a continual flow outwards from source, from center, and everything about that is nourishing, keeps the planets in orbit, keeps life happening, then isn't that the ultimate definition of unconditional love? It doesn't pull itself back no matter what goes on outside of it. So I was like, that's my new definition of love. And so this has got to be fear. Like this is protecting, closing, shutting down, pulling it in. So all of a sudden this continuum was born to me of like fear is protecting what doesn't need protection. If God is coming out from the center, does God need protection? Isn't this flow the ultimate force field that protects you from everything? And so that set me on a path to start discovering if I can explain how to deconstruct the need to do this, then I can help everyone on this planet because there isn't a single person on this planet that doesn't do that. And most of the gurus are telling us that fear is an inevitable part of life and that we just have to muscle through it and we just have to masculine our way through it and we just have to push and eventually we'll become numb to it because we know what's on the other side. And what I've discovered is that we can deconstruct that so that it doesn't hurt to move forward. A negative space is actually not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. So fear is the absence of love. It isn't a mm -hmm. thing in and of itself. It has right. manifestations, but it's not a thing. The darkness is an absence of light. So if we can understand what causes the illusion of the absence of light, if we can understand that we're not even actually broken, we're whole. I love that. I love this idea of if there's fear, if there's a contraction, one thing you said is we're not acknowledging that we have a divine gift within us that needs to come out. And if we acknowledge that, that is love. And so we don't need to be fearful of it. But why do you think that there is such a fear of sharing one's voice? Why even for singers, people like who know that might be talented or have a gift or that their voice is so beautiful. Why are people afraid to share something that is just a part of them? 
God, that's such a big question and such a wonderful question. So the next thing that I developed was this concept, this perspective of rooms, room A, room B, and room C. And that's going to answer this question. So when you're shining out, you're coming from self. And I refer to that as room B, you're being, you're just being like a child before they are socially conscious. And they're just like looking around, discovering, like they're the center of the universe and everything is wonderment. When you're in room A, what you're actually doing is you're leaving the helm, looking out your own eyes and you're going outside and you're watching yourself from an exterior lens. And that lens is usually a lens of fear. So it's distorted. So all the things that we're afraid of other people thinking of us, all of the things that we're afraid of happening to us, our imaginations subconsciously start creating a dangerous environment where if we are to share our deepest truths, our deepest secrets, something out there is going to snatch it away from us. Something out there is going to hurt it. Something out there is going to attack us for that. And it's the primitive brain. It's the amygdala part of our brain that wants to just keep the physical body alive. And it wants to protect us from harm. That's why when I would go into the woods, I was aware there were millions of eyeballs on me, but I couldn't see any of them because they're hiding their light. They're programmed physiologically for their bodies to survive. But we're dealing with more than just a physiological reality here. We're dealing with a quantum reality that goes beyond space and time. We're dealing with a spiritual reality that goes beyond this physical lifetime. And what the body deems dangerous and what the amygdala wants to tell us that is dangerous is actually what will set us free because we're not being eaten by saber-toothed tigers anymore. Now, that's not to say the world is a completely benign, safe place. Obviously, we want to be aware of our environment and our situations. But when we are in a position to reveal the thing that is most sacred within us, the illusion is that can be taken from us, that can be trampled on, that that can be damaged. But again, it's other people's perception of it that we're absorbing and allowing us to create an illusion in our minds that because those people feel that way, then I have nothing and I am nothing. Like as though Jupiter said to the sun, your sunlight is nothing. And the sun went, you're right. It's nothing. I'm going to go dark. I'm going to implode like a black hole. No, it's just some noise and static. And most of the time, it's not really even coming from out there. It's our own projection of what we're afraid might come from out there. So we preemptively just make ourselves small to protect the sacred thing. Like if you fall in love and you share your heart and someone tramples all over it, your heart and your love is still your heart and your love. And it's bigger than any ocean. But the perception is that someone disrespected it, someone didn't value it, someone threw it in the trash, and so therefore it doesn't have any worth. It's garbage. It doesn't mean anything. But that's just an illusion that you've assigned value to that perception of it. That's being in room A. 
that's allowing what's outside of you to have a senior value over what is source within you. So what I'm doing is I'm teaching people how to get out of room A anytime they feel themselves slipping into that viewpoint of what's outside of you is senior to what's inside. And I believe no matter what your religious beliefs are, if we are made in the image of God, if we are created in the image of God, then to me, that implies that God is not outside of us, that God is the source of us. So it holds true no matter how you spin it, in my opinion. I'm happy to talk about this and anybody that disagrees, God bless you or universe bless you. Like that's fine. But to me, if you understand that source is the quantum field at the center of this electromagnetic field that lives within you, that you are of God, of everything, of the infinite potential great pool, then what can really harm you? How has this understanding, Joy, which is so beautiful, how has it helped you, one, with your own voice and living authentically? And has this freed you from maybe some of the thoughts you had before about the body or even asthma or anything else that held you back from living your full truth because you were spending any amount of energy on these things outside of yourself? Well, we are all human living in a human condition. And I aspire to continue to open my heart and to allow all of these programs that live in our subconscious to come up to the surface so I can look at them and decide if they're mine or if they're not. I am in the process. I have nine songs mixed and mastered that I'm finally ready to start putting my music back out into the world and step onto bigger and bigger stages and to get my business to the point where I don't have to be as full time in helping others that I set it up in such a way that I can now step into my true purpose, which is to get my voice, my music out into the world as me. And I've created a life where I've been able to make my dreams come true as a result of living in this reality. I live at the beach on the edge of the Pacific Ocean, was, which was always my dream to get back to the ocean. I used, when I was a baby, lived in Long Beach in New York on Long Island, always wanted to come back to the beach, living in a three-story house on the edge of the Pacific Ocean in one of the safest neighborhoods I've ever been in my life, an hour north of Los Angeles with the love of my life who I found in this whole big wide world who moved here from Hawaii to be with me nine years ago, a worldwide business of artists that I get to watch the garden grow with every single one of them, living a vegan lifestyle, driving a car that doesn't take gasoline, stepping into my purposes politically as an animal activist, as a mother of an artist who is the most gorgeous human being in the world. The life I have is so beautiful and all painted by my heart. Is it perfect? Is my body exactly how I want it to be? Is my career exactly how I want it to be? It's all an evolution. 
It's all just allowing myself and ourselves to flow in harmony with all that is and just let love continue to cut the path so that I can continue to be more and more in a state of homeostasis with all of it. And it is my intention to get there on all of these areas to get to a place where I am at peace and in harmony with all of it as often as possible. Yeah. Given the world we live in. Yeah. Like I'm on my path and that's a glorious thing to be able to say. It's a glorious feeling. And there is no such thing as perfection because perfection is finite, which means it's not flowing. It's not alive. It's always an evolution. It's always a work in progress. And that's the beauty of it is just stepping into the unknown every single day and knowing that your heart is going to lead you with love to what is important. And I always question, I always say, people say there's no perfection, but I do believe if we are all divinely created, we are created perfectly the way we were designed. Maybe there is no perfection beyond what already is. And that's sort of the way I like to think of it. (laughs) Anything else is there's growth and there's development and there's allowing ourselves to shine and become more of who we are, but maybe not necessarily to change, but really to just kind of heighten what already is there. Yeah. To just evolve. And just like, if you think of the analogy of surfing, it's like the exhilaration of just finding your balance and riding the wave and getting better and better at not falling off. And just all of it is part of the process. Wow. And Joy, for folks that want to work with you or maybe learn more about you, what is the best way that they can find you? The most active platform that I'm on at the moment is Instagram and it's at free your voice with joy. I'm in development on getting more active on other platforms. So we'll stay tuned for that. But for right now, that's my outreach channel. So that's the fastest way to reach me. And I'm just putting out a call to anyone out there who is in that place in their lives where they just are ready to go the distance with themselves. And you don't have to be a traditional artist or a singer to work with me. I work with so many different kinds of people. I created this community in the School of Joy because I wanted people to play with. I call it the quantum playground. It's like, I want people that are ready to break up with fear and just ready to live with heart wide open and see what's possible. Step into their mastery and stop waiting for some day. And so I've worked with people that are on the brink of that before. And I'm just at a point in my life now where I'm just only working with people that are there. They're like, I don't know how, but I am Every this is everything. I'm ready. I surrender. I just want to start living in my true divine purpose, full throated. Like, let's go, let's do this. And if that's you and you want to talk further about how to step out of fear and into your full divine purpose, let us connect. Let us absolutely. We will include 
all of the details in the show notes. And anytime that I'm in your presence, Joy, I feel that. I do feel like the sun is shining on me when you are there because you are just so amazing. You've got such great, beautiful light and you just uplift everybody. And your name is Joy. You are Joy. (laughs) And that's how I experience you. So I definitely encourage people to reach out and to work with you. And I ask everyone a final question which is tied to the title of the podcast. And what does it mean to you to live the width of your life? Ooh, is to just trust your heart so that you can reach as far and as wide as is possible while you have this brief flicker on this planet in this life. It's just breathe the love out into the world, read the love into your own spirit and see where that takes you. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for being such a bright light, Joy. Thank you for being a part of my community and my life. I am so grateful for you. And uh, I just really appreciated our time together. I thank you because you are a bright light. I see you the exact same way. Your heart is so wide open and I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for having the opportunity to share this and that you give people this opportunity to shine their light in the world and that you shine your light in the world. So thank you so much. Thank you, Joy. I love you too. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have lost your zest for life and wondering if there's more to life than this, I want you to know that there is. If you are tired of being burned out and overworked, I was there and now I want to help you. Download my free easy to implement daily routines checklist to empower you to take control of your personal health and well-being and start to feel good again. Head out to my website for your copy and I will see you next week.